Char Chat is a member of the Teej.fm network from WTJU. To learn more, visit Teej.fm. That's T-E-E-J dot F-M. Hello, everybody. It's Monday, February 25th, 2019. I'm Caitlin. And I'm Tanner. And you're listening to Chart Chat, your weekly guide to the past week of pop singles hitting the U.S. and U.K. charts. It is wonderful to be back in the studio. Tanner, how's life? Life is good. We missed you terribly, but you're back. We're all back. The snow was back briefly. We had three inches. We had a snow day on Wednesday. It was great. How are you? I'm pretty good. Uh, As maybe some people know and others don't, the Brit Awards happened a few days ago, and there were some surprises there that I'm getting over, and I'm also nursing a very, very small hangover because it was National Margarita Day yesterday, and it was splendid. Anyway, nothing can ever keep me from my beloved charts, though. Let's start at number 95. We have Hold You Down by Rams. Candlelight by Jack Savaretti debuts at number 70. At 67, we have D-Block Europe with their song Kitchen Kings. That was a weird one. Juice by Lizzo debuts at number 66. Ladbroke Grove by AJ Tracy debuts at number 48. AJ Tracy debuts again at 46 with Wifey Rhythm 3. Who Do You Love by The Chainsmokers featuring Five Seconds of Summer debuts at 34. That was a rough one. Talk by Khalid and Disclosure debut in the top 20 at number 16 this past week. And we have Ariana Grande. She's back at number eight and number one respectively with Needy and Break Up With Your Girlfriend, I'm Bored. Lovely title of the song. (laughs) I'm not over it. Tanner, that's it on the UK side. What do you have this week? So, as you might imagine, there is the onslaught of Ariana Grande, but before we get to that, we start down at number 98, where Casey Musgraves debuts with Rainbow. From there, we jump up to number 56, where the aforementioned Who Do You Love by the Chainsmokers and Five Seconds of Summer debuts. A little taste of the Ariana Grande onslaught starts at number 48 with Makeup. There's a brief respite, where Khalid and Disclosure debut at number 44 with Talk. And then from here on out, it's all Ari. We've got In My Head, Bad Idea, and Fake Smile at number 38, 27, and 26. Continuing uninterrupted, you have Ghostin, Bloodline, and NASA at 25, 22, and 17. And then, as if that wasn't enough, you have Needy and Break Up With Your Girlfriend, I'm Bored. Debuting at number 14 and number 2. It's a whole lot of Ariana Grande, but we're not starting with that. Caitlin, what are we starting with? We are going to start on the UK side this week with Candlelight. That's by Jack Savaretti. I've never heard of him before. He just kind of popped into my musical universe, and I'm not mad about it. So he's technically an English singer-songwriter of German, Polish, and Italian descent, as you can probably tell by the last name. 
He is 35 years old. He describes himself as a transatlantic mutt because of kind of his whole life of moving around and not really being from the UK, but his accent is also especially weird. I watched a lot of interviews this week with him, and it sounded almost French at first, and then it went more UK, and then kind of Italian, and it was it was all over the place, but very cool. Cool dude. He's married to British actress Gemma Powell. They're living a literal dream. They have a house in the Balearic Islands with kids, and they're happy, and it's great. So his first single, which is very interesting was released way way back in 2006 the title of that song is without and it peaked at number 90 on the uk official charts progress everyone has been slow and steady because after 10 t-e-n one zero ten years another single called catapult peaked at number 89 he's slowly but surely climbing these charts so given the previous snail's pacing of success Candlelight, debuting at number 70 only three years after a catapult, means he's really putting in work. In my personal opinion, I think the difference here for Savaretti in particular is probably signing and releasing with a major label. He hadn't previously been doing that, and then a couple years ago he signed to BMG, which is a very, very large music publishing, music label, like, whole collective. And the kind of wild smattering of talent they have. I'm going to read you just a couple of the names that I picked off from the website. Here we go. Fergie, Frank Ocean, Tame Impala, Bring Me the Horizon, Alt-J, Jess Glynn, Iron Maiden, Lil Dicky, Avril Lavigne, George Ezra, Morrissey, Blink-182, Bruno Mars, Tanner, give me a drum roll for this last one, please. I can't roll my tongue, but... Nickelback. So that, those are Jack Savaretti's label mates. <laughs> I don't know why I, I said that. I just, I feel like it might give people some kind of perspective, but it really doesn't because they're all so different. Like, how can you place? Anyway, it's fine. Whatever. We're going to zoom out a little bit now. Going back to a little bit of the stats, Savaretti has released five studio albums over the past 12 years. And the most recent two albums, respectively, Written in the Stars, that was released 2015, and Sleep No More in 2016, both spent a couple of weeks in the UK Top 10 Albums chart, which is awesome. Good for him. Savaretti cites American country artist Jim Croce as one of his main influences, and wow, I do definitely hear it with this new single, maybe not as much as the previous ones, but... To ease us into whatever it is that Jack Severetti is, I'd like to play a clip of Jim Croce first. The song that I'm going to play is called Time in a Bottle, and this one peaked at number one, along with another one of Jim Croce's singles, Bad Bad Leroy Brown, in 1973. If I could save time in a bottle The first thing that I'd like to do Is to save every day Till eternity passes away Just to spend them with you If I could make days last forever 
If words could make wishes come true I'd save every day like a treasure and then All right, once again, that was Jim Croce, number one on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100 in 1973. Okay, so now that we have gotten Savaretti's main influence in our ears, let's listen to his latest and most successful single to date. This is Candlelight. Promise me you'll wake up next to me A lifetime forever and a day talked a lot so far tanner could you please share your thoughts on this one just give me a slight break (laughs) yeah this is one of those songs that feels like a grower to me and i'm really struck by how there are a lot of retro associations going on but instead of it being something that's trying to hark back to just one specific period of time it feels like it's trying to blend a bunch of time periods together so the very first thing i noticed was the bass tone that enters in at one point And that bass tone feels very 60s to me. It's a very thin, kind of a curt bass tone. And I think that's a sound that's in recent pop memory. I'm thinking in particular of Portugal, the man's Feel It Still, which harks very explicitly back to 60s music with, of course, it taking very strong inspiration from the Marvel Let's Please Mr. Postman. But alongside that 60s thing, you also have this sort of 70s thing. Caitlin already mentioned Jim Croce, and I'm also thinking of Rod Stewart, someone who sings in a very intentionally gravelly way to add drama and weight. And instead of someone like, say, Hozier, if we recall our discussion of Nina Cried Power and both of us being not entirely sure if his vocals could really handle it, Savaretti's voice sounds like he can handle this gravel, this grit. It doesn't come off as forced. It's really well integrated into his voice. And I'm not, like, in love with this song, but I could learn to love it. Or at least learn to like it. I'm intrigued, we'll say. How about you? So I was struck by how much I liked this. There's no reason I should, I don't think, based on my previous musical taste. And my initial thought, honestly, was oh, is this a new Bond theme? Because of that intro, it just sounded kind of spooky, almost like the Lemony Snicket, uh, what's that? Series of unfortunate events. That's what I'm talking about. And I also thought he was way older than 35 based on the vocals. I was so shocked, so shocked. But I, I'm definitely, I think, growing to love this more and more. The bass line And the melody and the chorus are so good. So good, Tanner. It just sticks in your head. And 
the song doesn't feel crowded in a way that I think it could. And I think I might leave it there. Savaretti's upcoming album, Singing to Strangers, comes out next month. And I'm definitely, definitely, definitely going to listen to it. Just to see where he goes. Up next, Ladbroke Grove. Of course, I'm going to talk about a song that has a place in it. (laughs) So we have been blessed with two AJ Tracy tracks this week. And I decided to go with the more exciting option. Reasons will become apparent. So it's not only super exciting for my research to get another song like this on the charts. Geography, grime, it's my thing. Ladbroke Grove is where AJ Tracy grew up in kind of central West London, but it's also a super different style than we've been getting from AJ Tracy over the past couple years. We did Lover Loser as a pick a couple months ago, and the sound I don't think could be more different. Ladbroke Grove comes from AJ Tracy's self-titled album that was released on February 8th of this year. And that album sat pretty at number three on the UK Albums Chart last week. And honestly, I, I think it has potential to climb, which is kind of fun. I don't know if there's going to be much movement now with Ariana Grande. There were a lot of strong releases this past week uh, that I'm sure we're going to talk about in the upcoming weeks. Anyway, another fun fact about the album overall is that AJ Tracy didn't release it through or with backing from a label. So if we're thinking maybe comparing Savaretti signing to a huge label and kind of gaining success and traction from that, AJ Tracy is doing just fine on his own. And I think that's really, really cool. AJ Tracy's world tour begins next month. Hopefully Tanner and I can go see him. Congrats, AJ Tracy. Okay, I'm going to stop gushing. Let's listen to Ladbroke Grove. Up the deck, the microphone champ is live and direct. And again, it's the hyperman set. AJ Tracy live and direct. DJ mash up the mash up the deck. The microphone champ is live and direct. Said Barbell. Vibes in that. Cruise like a four-wheel drive in that. Tech time, everything's live in that. My car AJT's on the mic and that. I said Barbell. Vibes in that. Cruise like a four-wheel drive in that. Tech time, everything's live in that. My car AJT's on the mic and that. Watch the sun now. Had a little beef, but it's done now. Done. I just need a drink and a rub down. When my team's in a place, it's shut down. I'm a ride on a wave to the sundown. Ping ting, looking like a touchdown. All my haters getting vexed, calm up now. I went up. Ooh, so good. Okay, let's talk about the elephant in the studio garage. AJ Tracy's bars are so fresh, so good. He maintains his laid back tone that we kind of hear in his previous songs, the almost singing kind of slow delivery of some of his lyrics but it's matched now by this very sick garage beat concocted by 
garage producer, Conducta. And guess what ties it all together? The beautiful, the one, the only, the Grammy-nominated, the Brit Award-winning Georgia Smith. I would like to play the unaltered vocal sample that we get at the very beginning of Ladbroke Grove so you can hear what Conducta did to it. This is Georgia Smith's Wandering Romance. No one knows the pain No one sees what I see in you No I'm impressed by the amount of talent packed into Ladbroke Grove. How much UK talent is in one single track. It just floors me that we get a grime MC with garage influences with a young upcoming star. It's just all around 10 out of 10. Do love. We'll listen continually. Tanner, I'm passing it over to you. Yeah, I don't have a ton to add. I think I'm mostly in agreement, even if I'm not quite as effusive as you are. I'm definitely struck by how much quicker this is, tempo-wise, than Lover Loser, Butterflies, past tracks of his. Because I tend to associate him more with like a Notes or someone similar, that very laid-back, for lack of a better term, sort of style and, and mood. And I want to say that I think he comes off well here, like you say, the the, the bars are good he comes off well it also might just be the fact that i probably prefer this style to the notes uh lover loser more laid back style but it's good i'm into it yeah but you want to know what i'm really into why not i bet i can guess you probably can (laughs) because i've got two 10 out of 10 to use your term Absolute classics, incredible, superlative, amazing, incredible, triumphant pieces of art. And I'm starting with one that I'm not going to name until we listen to it, but it is from Ariana Grande's new album, Thank You, Next. As the prophecy has foretold, the album is here and it's setting records in all the usual ways that you and Grande and her management team herself uh, themselves could very much expect. This album is Grande's fourth number one album and her second in under six months coming off the heels of last year's Sweetener. Thank You Next broke the record for a pop album's biggest streaming week. 11 of the album's songs are in the top 40, which is a new record for a female artist. And she's only the second artist in history to own the number one, number two, and number three slots on the Hot 100. The only other artist in history to pull this off are the Beatles back in 1964. And judging off of conversations Caitlin and I have had off-air in the lead-up to this episode, I know that her and I have some conflicted feelings. My feelings have actually changed a little bit since I've talked with her last, but before we dig into that, we're going to start with the positive and listen to what I think is the absolute best track, song of the year, contender, calling it now. I love this song. Let's take a listen. Mm-hmm. 
that was bad idea. I think that this and Break Up With Your Girlfriend, I'm Bored are, as I mentioned, Stone Cold, Top Notch, etc., etc. I love these songs. And I really don't think it's a coincidence that these are two of the songs that Grande made in collaboration with Max Martin, who listeners are probably familiar with. I think we've probably talked about him. So if you go back a couple episodes to when we discussed Seven Rings, I complained that the production didn't really pick up enough of the slack left by Grande and her more subdued vocal approach. And admittedly, that is a frustration I have with a lot of this album, Thank You, Next. I'm thinking in particularly the first half of the album. And due in part to that, Bad Idea is especially refreshing because, to use a well-worn cliche, it feels like a sort of best-of-both-worlds scenario. The production is really good. As opposed to something like Seven Rings, the bass is full like it should be for a track like this. You have that really hooky guitar that comes right out the gate and sticks in your craw. And almost as if Grande and Martin know that they have a fantastic track here, there's a coda to the song. The song sounds like it's going to end, but then it comes back with a mostly instrumental coda that kind of just lets the groove run for a little while. And I want to play a short clip of that and ask you to keep track of how many different percussive timbres there are in this short clip that we're going to listen to, again, from the coda. There's so many different sounds there, and they're coming in in these different rhythmic subdivisions. And then you have this really low-end whooshing going on, kind of low in the mix that goes back and forth between the channels really quickly. It's all really cool. And I love the fact, personally, that they just like tacked it on as a little bonus at the end. It's kind of victory lap. Because this is a track that very much deserves a victory lap in light of these vocals. Grande's harmonizing has always been one of, if not my absolute favorite parts of her music. And especially on the chorus, it's just so so good and addictive the little i was i was poorly singing along when we were listening to the clip uh, a couple minutes ago the it yeah it yeah forget about me how her like backing versions of herself jump in jump out jump in jump out and then finish the phrase it lends it this really cyclical quality because it's also descending you know stepwise and it makes me just want to listen to it forever and ever and ever and ever which, again, they kind of allude to by slapping on that coda at the end. I think it's an incredible song on a inconsistent album, we'll say. Caitlin, what are you thinking? I would wholeheartedly agree about that assessment, especially the great song within not so great of an album. Two things. One is very small. The way she sings Idea. I now do this goofy thing where I walk around my house and just go bad idea idea and it's just like a monster it reminds maybe I'm to blame for this but whatever I just don't like the way she sings it not the biggest deal in the world what's more interesting was that I had a musical association that I never expected to have when listening to Ariana Grande and that guitar loop that you mentioned Tanner at the very beginning that carries the entire song reminded me of the police 
I can't stop thinking about it. I'm obsessed with this one idea. Just every breath you take, dun 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 you know, like that guitar hook carries the entire song. The song hinges on it. Same thing for Message in a Bottle. It's a little bit speedier, more like the Grande guitar hook. I threw those songs in the playlist if listeners care and want to do a side-by-side. Wow. Ariana Grande versus The Police. That's a dance party I would go to. Just saying. It's funny you mentioned her pronunciation of idea. I almost wouldn't be surprised if that was a Max Martin-ism. Because apparently if you go way back to NSYNC, it's going to be me. And everyone knows, of course, it's going to be May. Yeah. Apparently that pronunciation came with the request of Max Martin. And I find myself wondering if idea is another Max Martinism. Who knows? But we're going to transition from a song of forbidden pleasures to a hyper-earnest piano ballad. We're talking about Rainbow. We're talking about Casey Musgraves. The song enters the Hot 100 on the heels of Musgraves' huge, huge, huge Grammy night where she not only performed this track, but she won the Grammy in every single category that she was nominated for. All four of them. One of those was no less than Album of the Year for Golden Hour, which I know Caitlin mentioned on her Albums of the Year episode last December. Rainbow is the closing track on Golden Hour. And this is actually Musgraves' third appearance on the Hot 100. She hasn't shown up here a lot. And that kind of speaks to the country purgatory that she's been occupying for the better part of this decade, where she has been critically adored All of her albums that have come out over the past years have been received extremely well, but as with plenty of other women in country this decade, as we've talked about before, Musgraves has been kind of, we'll say, ignored or sidelined by the Nashville powers that be, and this Grammy performance is sort of her her revenge, her triumph, and we're going to listen to what that sounds like. Again, this is Casey Musgraves' Rainbow. As you might imagine, this is an intensely personal song for Musgraves. She actually wrote this song a number of years before Golden Hour came out, six years or so. This was the very last song that Musgraves' grandmother heard her write before dying, and then this was then performed at that grandmother's funeral. And as I mentioned, Rainbow comes at the very end of the album, at the very end of Golden Hour. And it's a very striking contrast between uh, because Golden Hour is very lush, very produced, very sonically diverse. 
And instead of taking that approach with this track, this is basically done live. Apparently, in an interview, uh, Musgraves talked about how every single recording session for this album would end with a performance of this track with all the lights turned off. And then when it came time to assemble the album, Musgraves and her producers just chose the best take. And I think that, I mean, A, that speaks to her talent as as a musician, as a songwriter. Um, If I seem slightly starved for words, I... So I have to admit, I actually wasn't super into Golden Hour, but I, if I had to write some sort of a list of my top whatever songs ever, this would probably be there. I legitimately, I wrote in our spreadsheet that I have a hard time listening to the song without just like getting really emotional. I think the song is breathtaking. I think it's moving, beautiful. I, I can't, I I think it is so good that I am incapable of really picking out anything in particular about it. And it gets me thinking, it gets me thinking about sentimentality in pop music and particularly it's sort of bad reputation among pop critics. It was really interesting in reading and listening to coverage after the Grammys, how there seemed to be this sort of critical consensus that, oh, why did she perform Rainbow? That's one of the more kind of saccharine Grammy bait songs and I wanted to like flip my table and just be like no you don't you don't understand it's so earnest and tender and sweet and how dare you it was it was a little it was a lot it was a lot to take in and instead I will just say once again I'm taking a stand earnestness is good sentimentality is good and now more than ever I think a song like Rainbow deserves to be heard and cherished and praised for its earnest embrace of emotion. Caitlin, save me from my sentiment. I will never save you from your sentiment. Your sentiments are wonderful. However, I will announce Rainbow is clearly our pick of the week. Clearly. Clearly. It was hands down my favorite song of 2018. I usually don't have a clear-cut favorite song. It is strikingly simple, strikingly beautiful. There's a closeness in how the vocals are mixed that it almost makes me cry if I'm actually actively listening to this song. I am echoing what Tanner's saying. 2018 was also clearly Casey Musgraves' breakout year. Obviously the biggest surprise of the Grammys, as Tanner previously mentioned. I'm never not going to love one, a Casey Musgrave song, and two, a Casey Musgrave song that is a piano ballad. The last bit of information, because I've kind of just been echoing, that I want to share with you is a little bit more personal. Uh, listeners might remember an episode that we did where I talked about Julia Michaels and Clean Bandit song, I Miss You, and it is written in the key of C minor, and there's something about that key that particularly tugs at my heartstrings. So as Tanner talks about sentimentality in lyrics and sound, I also get it from the chord structure here and just the notes themselves. So Casey Musgrave's song is not written in C minor. However, it is written in the relative major key, E flat major. And there's just this fullness there's this hopefulness in that key that I hear and I think I think that's why I love it (laughs) 
I, I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed with Casey Musgraves. I cannot wait to see what she comes out with next. And that is why she's our pick of the week this week. Thanks so much for bearing with Caitlin and I's inability to put into words fully why we are so smitten with this song. And thank you so much for listening to Chart Chat, where we are trying very hard to let go of our collective umbrellas. If you'd like to listen to all this past week's chart debuts, you can find a Spotify playlist in the show notes. And if you have any questions, feedback, or corrections, please get in touch with us via email at chartchatcast at gmail.com. Also, if you're interested in following us on social media, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at chartchatcast. And if you're feeling so generous, please consider rating and reviewing us on your podcasting platform of choice. Helps us find new listeners. We love the feedback. Spread the good vibes. All that good stuff. Chart Chat's intro theme was written by Peter Kelly and our cover art was made by Billy Phillips, both from Coronation Media. Coronation Media is a creative studio specializing in video production, animation, and graphic design. To learn what they can do for your company or organization, visit www.coronationmedia.com. Chart Chat is also a member of the Teej.fm network from WTJU. To learn more, visit Teej.fm. That's T-E-E-J dot F-M. Collective deep breaths. Thanks again for listening to Chart Chat. I'm Tanner Green. And I'm Caitlin Flay. And we will catch you next week. Cause the sky is finally open The rain and wind stop blowing But you're stuck out in the same old storm again You hold tight to your umbrella Well darling I'm just trying to tell Cause the sky is finally open